All right, well, welcome folks. Um, as we're doing the forum online like this and we're producing the video to go out on YouTube and on Facebook uh, toward the end of the week, and then we'll have a conversation on Sunday morning during our virtual coffee hour about these conversations. One of the conversations we knew it was really important to have at this time is around Holy Communion and the recommendations made by our task force to the vestry and what we're going to do in this next phase of life around the pandemic. Um, I am really grateful that Dr. Allison Nash from our congregation and Susan Norris, a vestry member and immediate past junior warden, uh, agreed to join me. They're both members of the committee. Um, I'm avoiding the name of the committee a little bit because it was called the Regathering Committee and now the vestry is inviting us to come up with a new name for the committee, which we're not settled on. But the committee was called together to take a look at protocols for Holy Communion and make determinations and recommendations to the vestry about the next steps about Holy Communion and safety with the virus. Uh, we were one of the first churches in St. Louis to determine that we didn't feel it was safe to continue to worship in person in early March. and we are walking really slowly. When we gathered for our first meeting though, um, I wanna start with you, Dr. Nash. You asked a question of the group that I thought was a really helpful question. Um, that question was, what are we missing? Could you talk a little bit about why that question was important to ask this group? Well, I think in this time of our lives being so, um, so different, um, I think it's important as we're talking about how we're going to come together, stay together as a church community, is identifying the things that each of us individually or as a family actually are missing. What resonates with you? What is the thing about our Holy Communion family that is really important to you and that you're yearning for? And then I think that helps us then look to say, okay, well, how can we get come up with some creative ways to to sort of regain that um, in our new, you know, in our new paradigm, I guess. It, it was helpful for me because of, it was wonderful. I, the group went around and named some things. Susan, can you remember some of the things that were named when we were talking about that? Sure. I mean, I think it was things like just watching the kids run around and play, um, hugs from friends, um, I think, you know, for me personally, it's really, I miss the, the breakfast and the adult forum. Um, and I think, you know, another thing is just seeing the altar and seeing the, the church space. One of the things that was named too um, was the intergenerational one of the things that's such a treasure of our church is just seeing those little kids running around, but also running around the ankles and knees of some of our um, more senior members of the congregation. I, I named, you know, the thing I'm missing that I, you would have to like, you knock me over that this is what I'm missing. But I miss that like two or three minutes, especially at the 1030 service where I'm trying to get everybody to quiet down so we can do announcements because they're busy hugging on each other and catching up and doing the piece. And Part of that missing question was really helpful and part of that missing question was really hard because we realized pretty quickly that a lot of what we miss, be it that hubbub of the piece or the kids running around playing with each other or the choir um, 
we can't have those. Like, there's not a safe way to have those right now. Um, and the, the committee came pretty quickly around a sort of consensus that a lot of what we miss about church is really hard to replicate. So there's a set of recommendations that the committee adopted and adapted from another um, congregations. They're not going to be anything that surprises anyone. Um, but Dr. Nash and Susan, I wonder if we could take a look at these together. I'm going to bring them up on the screen uh, for those of you who are watching on video. But essentially, this is the set of um, practices and protocols. Um, and the first of which at the very top up there, it says all Episcopal Church of the Holy Communion gatherings that happen in person will be held outdoors. Can either of you talk to like, we know that it's safer to be outdoors than indoors, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Well, one of the um, things that we know and what science tells us is that the virus is spread by droplets and um, with close contact in an enclosed space, there's a high, more high probability of, of uh, coming in contact with viral particles. So being outdoors is ideal because you've got the wide open space, you've got the air, you know, and um, you have the ability to really distance uh, properly. And the air is not gonna be stagnant in a closed space for an extended period of time like it would be if you were in a, in a room. It, it seems to me like um, with the group, it, there's, it's like the consensus has shifted across on this virus, but that a, the most worrying thing is to be in an enclosed space with a group of people. Um, we were really worried about surfaces, and it's not that we're not worried about surfaces and, and proper sanitization and hand washing at the beginning, but now what seems to be the, the thing that we're most careful about is gathering people in a not well-ventilated space for a long period of time. Um, if you look at those lists of super spreader sites, church is always on the, you know, one of the most dangerous things you can do is go to a church service indoors. Um, one of the things that got added to the list, we had introduced interim protocols, but is this one that has a thermometer on it, what we're calling self-monitoring. Can you all talk a little bit about what self-monitoring is about? Well, so that's, I would say, one of the more important things that we as an entire community can do to decrease the spread of virus, to be able to get our children back in school, to be able to come back to church, is look, you know, making sure that if you have any symptoms at all, that you stay home. So, you know, there's a list of common symptoms, um, fever, sore throat, cough, chills, body aches, uh, you know, there's a whole list of things and anything, even if you have one of these things, the responsible thing to do is to not go out of your home, to stay, to stay in and not, you know, potentially expose other people until you know more about, you know, your symptoms and the progression of your illness. Yeah, really, in the guidelines, it says rather than coming to church, you should get in touch with your health care provider if you're experiencing <laughs> these right now. Mm -hmm. um, Susan, I'm going to point at you with masks because early on in the pandemic, you were the one who posted a graphic about um, mask wearing and how important it is to cover both your nose and your mouth. 
Um, but we are pretty specific about masks. Um, and we want people, and we're only gathering outdoors, but we still want people to wear masks. Can you talk about like what is acceptable as a mask and what is not? Sure. It's really important that the mask covers both your face, both your nose and your mouth, and that it covers it tightly, that there's no gaps. So just wearing a bandana doesn't do that because there's gaps at the bottom. So what you want to do is you want to capture those particles that are coming out of your nose and mouth. It's really to protect others from you. But it also does prevent you from breathing in other particles. And the science, there's some great videos showing how much a mask per- reduces the projectiles. Yeah, yeah, and that's, that's part of why we're specific about not a face shield and not a mask with a valve in it. Because it really is, <laughs> our presiding bishop has said, Wearing a mask is an act of love for my neighbor. It's it's really about what I'm doing for my neighbor. And so a mask that has a valve that lets all of your particles just escape really easily is doing not helping. Um, and a plexiglass shield we're finding with the aerosol stuff just isn't as helpful. That six-foot social distancing is a part of what we're doing. If you come to one of our drive-in services, you'll see it's even more than that. We're you know spacing people more than a parking spot apart from each other. But um, and I know that we've all heard about six feet social distancing, but could we talk about like what does that look like in a church community? Do people from the same household need to be six feet apart? Like how does the social distancing work, and what does it help with? Uh, well, yes. Yeah, so if you are in a household um, that lives together or has formed what people are calling a pod, you know, people who you are the only. Uh, family that interacts, etc., then you could be close together, but then you would need to be six feet apart from anyone, basically. And I, the simplest why I tell people, you have to be six feet away from anyone that doesn't live in your house. That's the yeah. simplest way to think about it. Anybody that lives in your house, you guys can all sit on top of each other if you want to. <laughs> but everybody else, you got to be six feet away from. Yeah. And while we're doing outdoor gatherings, that means that you know, we're thinking about, you know, as a household, you may need to bring your own chairs because we're doing um, on the second and fourth Wednesdays of October, we're going to have uh, Eucharist at 11 a.m. like we would normally in our chapel in Oak Knoll Park. But the way the picnic tables are sat, it really helps to have some folks have brought their own chairs to make sure we can keep that social distancing. The last one um, is a requirement for a list of names, email addresses, and phone numbers, which is, it's hard. This is one for Holy Communion that is hard because we are allergic to signing up for things before we actually come to them. Um, But Susan, can you talk a little bit about what this is about? This is a requirement from the Bishop's Office that we do registration for all of our events. Sure. This is about contact tracing. So when someone has the virus and they may not know for a few days but we need to go back to the people who have been near them and let them know so that they can stay quarantined so this is really about contact tracing being able to reach out to those people who might in an unfortunate incident have been exposed hopefully these are nice clipboards that never get have to be used 
but they're there if we need them. Yeah. And we're doing a lot of that registration electronically and we're checking in on who it is that came but that actually gets us to the point one of our vestry members made Um, the vestry accepted the recommendations of the committee unanimously and approved them so we will be for the foreseeable future not worshiping indoors not gathering indoors um, and we'll be following these protocols but one of our vestry members um, really wanted to emphasize that anything that we do as a gathering outdoors isn't the center of what we do. Susan, can you recount that a little bit for us and why that's important? Sure. So we all have different risk factors, family members with different risk factors, and we all need to feel comfortable. So our central Holy Communion gathering spot is still going to be the Zoom at 1030. These other things are not mandatory. They're things that if you feel comfortable doing, you should feel you should join. If you don't, that's fine too. We'll find some Zoom ways or video conference ways or phone calls to gather in a safe way. Don't feel you have to come in person if that doesn't work for you. That was something we really wanted to stress. Yeah, this, our senior warden, Shirley Mensa and I were talking yesterday about the desire from the vestry to rename the group to something like pandemic monitoring or COVID monitoring, really that the job of this committee is to keep our eyes out. That um, Dr. Rugen uh, asked, Rebecca Rugen asked the group, essentially, like, why are we meeting? Like, what is it that has caused a regathering committee to form? She said... I don't see a change. The numbers in Missouri, the numbers in St. Louis City and County, they're not making a huge uptick in the city and county, but they're not going way down either. Um, We're still at a place where the only thing that's changing with the pandemic is a lot of people are getting tired of the pandemic and want it to be over, but it's not over. So this committee really is going to continue to be tasked with, we're going to check in and keep our eyes on if there's any advance and that may be an immunization that may be some advance in treatment but it would have to be something that could make our numbers go significantly down and reduce the risk of transmission so while we're monitoring um these are the protocols we're only going to gather outdoors um, and that's really optional we're going to keep the center of our life online i wonder if the other thing that we're talking about then is if we're not going to be the regathering committee, uh, Shirley Mensa, our senior warden said, well, then the work of regathering isn't about getting us back together in the church. The work of regathering is really the work of the whole congregation uh, to take us back to Dr. Nash's original question. What is it we miss? How can we be creative about finding ways to connect with each other? Uh, How can we, find ways to, you know, form groups that meet on Zoom or get together some of our neighbors in the congregation in a local park and invite one of the clergy members to come and celebrate Eucharist. I mentioned we've got a couple of park Eucharists set up for 11 o'clock on Wednesdays in October. The men's prayer group has decided to have one this coming Saturday at Eden Seminary. Uh, As we get more comfortable doing those, we'll start letting more of the congregation know, but we'll still have to limit numbers given the size of things. So I want to finish sort of at the 
we've been asking the whole congregation um, two questions. What has worked for you and what are your hopes? And I wonder if I could ask the two of you, you know, what have you heard about what has worked about what we're doing right now and what might be your hopes for what we do in the months ahead? Well, I'll just share what my uh, daughter Courtney and her daughter Vivi, they really enjoyed the uh, godly play. Um, mm. I guess I, if I'm saying it correctly, but they they got together on Zoom and did their whatever, you know, they were used to doing when they were in person. And that was really fun, something that they look forward to do together. Yeah, every Saturday our kids gather for godly play. On Tuesday evenings, our parents of young kids, uh, the group we call Hoko Pack, are getting together for conversation and prayer. And I think some of that prayer sometimes involves glasses of wine. Um, as we, <laughs> but, um, but we're looking for more ways to do that. And if you have an idea or you have a way you want to gather, um, we would love to help resource that, to give you access to one of the church big Zoom accounts so that you don't have a time limit. And we'd be happy to help folks gather. We are going to look at ways to get some virtual dinner groups and things like that together. And while the weather is nice, we're going to continue to do some stuff outdoors. Um, Susan, you have been a, to a couple of the drive-in services. Can you talk a little bit about the drive-in services? So the drive-in services are great because you get to see people. And I yeah. think that's one of the things we miss. And, you know, it's it's great on Facebook. I like doing the messaging during the service and I feel like I'm passing notes, but I know you're not a fan, um, but we like it. <laughs> no, um, I'm fine. I, there are some people that prefer the nice clean video on the homepage so they don't have to do the commentary, but I like the commentary. I live with one of them. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's seeing people, even just getting to wave at people, um, you know, seeing how much kids have grown um, and there's no replacement for hearing voices and singing in person yeah. and music in person. The The online music is phenomenal. Don't get me wrong, but in yeah. person is great, too. It is. It's, it's nice to be able. And I, I was impressed how well that little FM broadcaster we were able to do works, but. Uh, the other thing, the piece that I missed about the piece, uh, I the first time we did a drive-in service, it was taking a couple minutes for me to get people to stop honking their horns at the piece. So <laughs> we get a little bit of it. Um, it is, I, I want to be real that it's not easy. I miss what we had as church. I do. And I think it's important that we continue to work to find ways to get pieces of it. Um, and I think one of the most important commands from Jesus is love your neighbor. And until we are sure that we can safely gather together, the loving thing to do for our neighbor is to exercise an abundance of caution. Um, so I am really grateful to both the the group formerly known as the Regathering, Regathering Committee and the Vestry for walking with an abundance of caution um, out of care for our neighbor. There is one last piece, which is a little tricky with the um, with the recommendations of the task force. We are going to allow one of the things that one of the members talked about was missing sacred space. So starting in later October, we are going to allow some visits to the church, um, but they're going to be short 
of time, like you're going to sign up for a specific time because we have to sign people up anytime they come to anything in person. Um, and you're, there's going to be a path you can walk through the church and places you can pray um, and you can sign up to receive Eucharist. But Dr. Nesh, you talked a little bit about how is it different? I mean, it's not the same as worshiping together in person, but how is it a safer thing to do this sort of one at a time? Like what makes this different? Yeah, so if you have a family group that's together and in a space for 10, 15 minutes tops, and then you have some time, um, and then they're masked, and they're, you know, and um, then you have some time to air out the space afterwards, then that makes it, that makes it safe because you're not sharing the space with people um, who don't live under your roof. And so, uh, so therefore, you know, you're not, the risk of, of um, sharing viral particles goes way, way down. Yeah. It, it gets us to the, we're going to let people be able to hear, hopefully we're, we're still knocking on wood about it, but the new organ is scheduled to be done being installed. So people will be able to hear that playing, um, be able to receive Eucharist, hopefully walk the labyrinth, um, pray in a pew or um, pray with the new icon, but just to be in the space. We know for some people that's something they really are surprisingly missing. Um, and it is something we feel we can do with reasonable safety, um, much more safe than gathering everybody together all at once in the space. Again, it is just an option, but we'll have more to announce about it. There'll be a whole pathway with arrows and a video about how it works later in the months when we're ready to, it's going to take us some time to get the space ready for this kind of visit, but, um, but that is something to look forward to. Um, so I want to just say thank you. Um, this we're going to try to keep to a shorter forum because we want to make sure that people have the chance to listen to all of it. On Sunday, um, I will be, and I think some of the members of our uh, group will be available after the 1030 service on the video chat on the virtual coffee hour um, to talk through these recommendations. I'm going to ask Vestry members to be there as well since they adopted them. But we're going to live through this phase together. Um, if you have questions, please don't hesitate to email the office. Um, and if you have ideas about how to get us together safely following the protocols, we'd really love to work with you um, and have the church resource ways that we can still show up for one another. Um, and I'm just really grateful to be part of a community that puts safety and loving our neighbor at the front. So thank you to both Wonderful. of you. Oh, happy to do it. Thank you. Uh -huh.